Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the 307 RPG Podcast. I'm Patrick. I'm Nolan. Zach. Fellas, what's new? Anything fun and entertaining going on? Nolan? Uh, nothing too exciting. Uh, just kind of more of a long work week and uh, finally getting to catch up with what's going on. Cool. How about you, Zach? Pretty much the same here. I did. I played Hades for 12 hours yesterday. That game is addictive. But besides that, it's just it was a long week. I don't know Hades. What is this? Came out last year. You're, you play as a god named Zagreus trying to escape from hell, Hades. Every time you die, you have to just start over and try again. That sounds terrible. Yeah, so you maintain your power that you've collected. You learn a little bit, level up. But yeah, you always, whenever you die, you start back at floor zero. And so it's kind of that ever-ending, uh, based on Greek mythology, of the guy who has to roll the stone up the hill. Mm-hmm. It's kind of that similar mindset of uh, every failure. You learn something, but you go back to the beginning. And it is. It is wow. a uh, action style, really simple in a lot of ways, and super complex in a bunch. The voice acting is phenomenal. And as far as like just a small scale style game that, like you said, you wouldn't expect a whole lot from at first glance, it is. It's actually really, really, really good and addicting. Yeah, and the the company that made it, Supergiant, has never made a game that wasn't great. Really? Yeah. So, so there are this, companies that make great games. Well, it happens. Yeah, the Supergiant, at least. Any controversy surrounding Supergiant, like some of the other Supergiant game producers? You want some made-up controversy about how uh, they dared to, I don't know, have a diverse cast? Oh, how dare they? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> It does look like there is a fair amount of news from Dungeons and Dragons to talk about this week, kind of on the the back end side of things. But I thought we'd jump into it because it is still important, I think, to our listeners as well as to D&D players. So in a recent blog article, Chris Perkins broke down what is or isn't canon in D&D 5e universe. And I thought this was an interesting post in which Perkins states that Watsi approaches D&D universe much like Marvel approaches its universes is because there's a gazillion of them. So therefore, this states that the only thing canon in fifth edition is what's in fifth edition. And I thought that was really interesting. And we'll read the statement here in just a second. And I kind of wanted to get your guys' opinion on this. Zach, we're going to start with you. What are your thoughts on saying that there, you know, nothing from previous editions is canon uh, except for what's in 5th edition. I think it's because a lot of people don't know what happened in previous editions, actually. Like, I, I thought the Spell Plague was a thing between 2nd and 3rd edition, but Nolan was telling me that, that it was between 3rd and 4th? Yeah, that's my understanding. Like, I don't really I don't really know how much of an effect that all had on other stuff, but I think I can I can understand that Chris Burton had to come out and be like, no, nah, what your DM says at the table is what happened. If only because there's such a new like crew like myself playing D&D. Sure, sure. I'm going to go with uh, the mindset of I think it's really good because we've struggled with that stuff, right? Like a fireball goes off in water deep. Why the hell was an Elementor there to counterspell it? Like he's a level 20th wizard, like, you know, um, but then at the same time, like Jarl Oxel can be a, a protagonist in something, uh, you know, so they, they dip in, they do their thing, but it, it is kind of a freeing concept that make it your own. And so I think that's good. Um, I don't know how you just kind of, I don't know. I think some of that stuff is really hard to ignore. Like you said, like the spell plague, uh, you know, and and maybe it is because people are new, but it would be really hard to play a Marvel game and just forget Spider-Man exists and that he's Peter Parker, you know? So I, I, I can see that being a difficult time to turn off. Or like if we're playing Scarred Lands, like, well, what we write now is what it is. And that 150 year ago thing didn't happen. Well, that's a pretty big deal, you know, and, and when you deal with uh, a game that has classes that have long races, I think it's really hard to like, if you're a 400 year old elf druid, you've probably seen some shit. And I think that can be a lot of fun to role play. And then all of a sudden saying, well, that may or may not have happened or that hasn't happened or whatever can be a little touchy. But again, at the end of the day, when you sit at your table and if I am that 400 year old druid and I start spouting up 
about the spell plague, Doxy looks across from him like, dude, I've been alive for 12 years. That don't mean shit to me. You know, so it's like it, it, you've got to know your table. Some people it'll be a big deal. Some people it won't. Um, but if it helps you make your character, use it. If it doesn't, then, no, you know, you know what you know. And that's okay. You can be a 20-year-old adventurer who hasn't seen anything and the world is fresh. And you could be stomping around the forest and not give a rip about you're walking on the ruins of Myth Drainer because it didn't happen to you. Who cares? Sure. Uh, I'm going to read this statement from Chris. I just pulled this directly from their blog and you guys can listeners, you can go and there's a link in the show notes. So you can go and read the full statement. I didn't grab it all. So it says our studio treats D and D in much the same way that Marvel studio treats its properties. The current edition of D and D role-playing game has its own Canon as does every other expression of D and D. For example, what is canonical in fifth edition is not necessarily canonical in a novel, video game, movie, or comic book, and vice versa. This is true not only for lore, but art as well. This approach allows R.A. Salvatore to write Dritz novels without having to worry if his version of the Forgotten Realms perfectly matches what we do in the role-playing game. It means that a D&D video game can take elements from a series of novels and present them in a way that serves the game's needs rather than adhering to the sequence of events chronicled in, in the novels. Creatively, it's liberating. This approach also acknowledges that different media have unique challenges and requirements. Every edition of the role-playing game has its own canon as well. In other words, something that might have been treated as canonical in one edition is not necessarily canonical in another. For example, the succubus was classified as a devil in 4th edition, even though it's been a demon in previous editions. So I think it's interesting to say stuff like that. And I think it's, you know, very much like Chris says, it's liberating. I think there is so much lore. And we talk about this like with Vampire the Masquerade. Nolan, you and I have talked about this before, where there is so much lore in these games that I guess it, it comes to a point, like, do you pick and choose what's canon and what's not? Or is it just easier to say, yep, every edition has its own canon? And I think the unfortunate thing is, is like we, Nolan, you mentioned Elminster quite a bit. Have we even seen or heard hide nor hair of Elminster in fifth edition? Has he even been mentioned in a book? I don't, I don't think he's around anymore as far as books go. Um, he's He was pretty broken the last time I saw him, but I know he's got a kid up there. I, and, and that's kind of, I mean, there are, again, if you're scaling the power curve and stuff like that, I mean, it's... It, it's pretty tough to have those big 16th plus level characters from legends of, you know, it's a big deal when a Sarah shows up and a group of nobodies has to stumble upon their way of defeating him. Like, you know, it allows in a world full of heroes, you know, you don't need to become a superhero in New York because Spider-Man's got that covered. So why would you try type situation? So taking him out of the equation lets you go. And, and like you said, like the vampire is so overwhelming for, you can almost be limited in well i really want to play this and you can like well they've been doing that differently for 300 years that's really tough to go on like they would have found you and killed you a long time ago and so you know or that's so far out of the realm of what there's no way you could hide for that long or be that old or you know some of those things there that are super challenging in something that has so many generations of history i mean just in general just straight up history the world has been long it's seen some shit but you don't want to get bogged down of hey listen i'm from this place and what was that like mr dm 400 years ago and he, the dm's like i don't know i just want to tell the story man like i don't i'm not you know i don't read this you know the lore of yesteryear and speak the dead languages man like let's just go so i think it's interesting in that vampire does a very good job of saying you know the previous edition is the previous edition the lore still matters from the previous edition the rules have changed to update the the, the game itself but you if you want to use the lore from before you can and i think that's where modifius got into some trouble like with the fall of london because they were rewriting some of the lore and the rest of the game wasn't keeping track with that. Like they were trying to, because it is a mirror image of our world, right? So they were trying to say, okay, you know, this prince in uh, Chicago from the mid 90s, this is what's happened since then. And this is where we are today. And I, I do think like, so Perkins does go on to state that the most important reasons why we maintain our own continuity separate from other expressions in early editions of D&D is to lessen the burden on DMs. And this goes speaks to what you were just talking about, Nolan. 
It's not that we insist on creating everything ourselves. Rather, we don't want DMs or players to feel like they must read a novel, play a video game, or buy a third edition source book to enjoy our game and get the most out of their current line of products. We are judicious about introducing certain types of new lore for this same reason. DMs and players should be able to use our content without having to keep up on some meta plot that stretches across novels, comics, and video games. And so I, I think that's that's interesting that they're saying that, especially since Watsi is diving into video games, and although they have suspended novels except for the Dritz books. Well, and I think that, so there's two parts of that that I'm going to crack up about. The first part is, I think Salvatore is on contract to release one novel a year, but he's got like the next four years. Right. So how are you going to tell him to not write something because our canon isn't going that direction? Or he might have some Mm -hmm. inside track of, you know, hey, the spell plague is coming, do what you want with it, and then we'll just kind of follow suit. Um, The other avenue of that is I find uh, that has been one of the bigger complaints about World of Warcraft lately is that oh, you want to know what's happening. Here's a five-minute cutscene to get you filled in so why you should care. And now, oh, you think you care? Well, in February, there's a book coming out, and I need you to read that Sylvanas book so you understand why she made the choice today versus giving you all the information now. And so for them to say that, it, it, it is a direct thing that I've heard come up a lot lately, like of, uh, you know, well, don't worry, we'll sell you something later to figure fill in the gaps for you for, for this here, just to be like, no, this is what you got. Go play, make it your own, have fun. Go, 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 enjoy. So you want to know how I know that this is bullshit? Hot take this from is Zach. Completely hot take. Because uh, a year ago, they came out and announced that Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus was the direct prequel to Baldur's Gate 3. And there was a big old hubaloo about how, yeah, no, these are connected. Your characters are going to you're going to go through this adventure and it's going to lead right in to Baldur's Gate 3. And then you can buy that video game and you can experience the story continuing on. Well, but I think... the people at Wizards of the Coast obviously did not realize that making a video game is hard and takes, you know, four and five years, not six months like making a book does. And so I think this is a very recent thing. Well, I think if, if, if they're allowing you to, I think the key thing there is going to be freedom of doing that stuff you know they made the the dark alliance game and it use our characters tell a story but it's not actually canon just go have fun go nuts you know none of that stuff happened um or did happen didn't happen whatever in that did um i and then at the same time they're releasing like magic the gathering stuff to go buy our other product Mm -hmm. while we tell the story here or go get the nerds adventure over here you know so it is counterintuitive with what uh, they're saying um, yeah, but, but I do think it does open up. I mean, if you do want to say that, hey, the the Avernus stuff is all connected, Baldur's Gate three, Descent, the Adventure League, that's kind of its own uh, Earth four, you know, whatever mm-hmm. comic storyline. Like, I, I I can support that stuff, and I think that's pretty fun. Just again, as long as you classify, like, well, why are we, you know, why are we dealing with, you know, running an inn in Waterdeep when there's a giant hole in the planet going to Avernus? Like, don't you think we got some better shit to do than kicking down Tally's door? Like, no, we never have anything better to do. No, no, no. It's just, that. it's just one of those things where it's like, whatever they're saying, this is a pretty recent thing. I can only assume that it finally came to their attention that this was becoming a problem. And I, I think the more, I actually think the Marvel Comics example is really cool. Because, like, I think it'd be, like, really dumb to whine about Chris Chris Evans, Chris Evans' Captain America, to be like, that's not a real Captain America. Be like, dude, we're making a movie here. Like, I'm sorry I can't draw your image of what Captain America is in your head and put him on screen. I We got to do our own take. And just to go with that and just be like, if anyone has any problems, just be like, dude, different continuity, like, move on. Well, and it, it, this is coming from the people writing the campaigns and who yeah. knows how much Perkins has a say in what they're making for video games or whatever. So they just maybe just said, yeah, go do your thing. Let the game people do their thing. And, you know, don't worry about it. Don't worry about checking in with developers of 15 other things that we're selling. Yeah. Uh, just go write your story and we'll make money off you this way while we sell Dritz books over here and games yeah. over here and t-shirts over here and and then trading cards o- over there but they're all going to be interconnected so don't worry about it at least at least in brand <laughs> just make sure are. you 
just make sure you put in Easter eggs and marketing so we can sell other stuff. You, you know, we talked about like the Marvel uh, issue or not issue, uh, the way Marvel handled. And I, and I absolutely love how Marvel has handled the movies. And there is a little tiny bit of tie in with like the comics uh, just and it's just a tiny bit. Uh, it doesn't go too deep like the Infinity War in the comic books wasn't quite the same as the as the movies. And I think as long as people understand that they're picking up Yes, they're picking up a D&D or Marvel product, but they have to understand that each thing is its own piece. It's it's very much like how I took the Game of Thrones situation, right? The books are the books. The graphic novels, while they may tell a very similar story, are the graphic novels, and the show is something completely different. And I think that's the attitude you have to take with these products. Otherwise, you're just going to get frustrated. At the end of the day, I think it's important to remember it's still Dungeons & Dragons. It's still the thing that you love. And now Patrick has been looking in candy aisles for nerds, and I haven't found any yet. And not that I'm going to buy them. Well, I'm just curious if I see any that have the D&D logo on it. And enjoy it for what it is. And if it's something for you, it's something for you. Yeah, we're going to dock shit on nerds. Exactly. But if that's something that makes you happy, then be happy. Lord of the Rings movie compared to the books is a great example of yeah. just there are certain things about that thing that if I really wanted to focus on the fact that none of the other Dunedain Rangers showed up and that was my favorite part of the books and hated the whole thing because of it, I would be missing out on uh one of the greatest movies ever. Exactly. You know? so, and trust mm -hmm. me, I've so, seen Nolan's face when he's watching those movies for the 1200th time. He's still grinning like yep. a little kid. Yep. Grinning and to. crying nonstop. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But so, yeah, take it for what it is. Enjoy it. And, and the most important thing, I think, as we, we go through as players and stuff like that, make it your own. Um, use it for a reference so you kind of have a general idea. But honestly, it's it's your story to tell. Right. And I, I, I genuinely do not have a problem with the idea that, okay, the stuff that was before is no longer canon. We're moving forward. I don't have a problem with that, especially with the whole reference to how Marvel does things. Because let's face it, Marvel's been incredible, right? Even their bad movies, people are flocking to the theater to see. And they may go, eh, it wasn't the best Marvel movie, but hey, it was a Marvel movie and we got to watch it. So we're, we're thrilled. Uh, so I'm, I'm on board with this. I'm fine with it. I don't have an issue with this at all. Well, and if you try and keep up with comics as they reintroduce their ultimate or all, you know, every time you know, you'd get lost. And I think everybody says like, oh, I like Batman, right. but this is my favorite arc of Batman. Doesn't mean you hate the, well, you might hate the current Batman stuff, but doesn't mean all other Batman except for your era is bad. It's still Batman and enjoy it. So let's, let's go to the business side of things because it's not something we often talk about. And I know this is kind of the back end area and. A lot of people don't necessarily enjoy learning about this kind of stuff, but I do think it's important because it does speak to the future of Dig uh, Dungeons and Dragons, especially since uh, this is the Hasbro side of things, which is the parent company of Watsi. And, and I just, I did not read this thoroughly. So Watsi just had their earnings meeting this week, or I shouldn't say Watsi, Hasbro had their earnings meeting this week. And, and I just skimmed through it looking for specifically for this stuff on Wizards and um, Dungeons and Dragons magic, things like that. Although I did see that Monopoly had a lower quarter, which why the hell people still buy that game is beyond me. It's one of the worst games ever besides Uno. So CEO Brian Goldner said Wizards generated a standout performance this quarter led by Magic the Gathering. He said demand for Magic is at an all-time high with the release of two sets this quarter, Strixhaven and Modern Horizons 2. I found this to be very surprising, especially since uh, we haven't had any in-store play. It's been shut down. But apparently the desire, and maybe, well, and they do talk about the some digital stuff, but maybe the desire to, to continue to buy cards is still really huge. And if so, that's great. Uh, Goldner said the launch of Arena, the digital version of MTG, uh, the mobile launch of Arena, sorry, that should have been mobile there, uh, exceeded expectations in attracting new players. He said digital remains an important driver of their business which we all know Dark Alliance wasn't the, the big thing that we were hoping for, which he does speak to. He said, speaking of digital, he mentioned Dark Alliance did not meet their expectations or that of the players. And I think we can, Zach, have you given the game a, a try at all? I haven't had a chance to yet, no. And, and I've only played it limitedly. Nolan, I know you've probably played it the most out of the three of us. Um, I, I don't think that, I think the game's fun. I think... The, the nice thing to say is no matter how bad a game is, it didn't have a cyberpunk. So yeah, <laughs> uh, at that point, you're, you're probably fairly safe. 
And I don't think it was a big investment for him. Uh, the people who made the game and did the stuff were like, we really want to tell the story. We've got this great idea. So we're going to build it and we're going to build like 80, 90% of it. And then we're going to pitch it. And so it wasn't like it was years of development. It was like, hey, we built this thing. It needs your IPO. You know, do what you want. We want to tell the story. And so they kind of went along with it. So I don't think it hurt them, especially like I was telling you guys, like playing, uh, what was it, Magic Legends? And them, like, mm -hmm. I think I spent $29 with them to kind of test the thing and give it a product. And then I never played it after two weeks. And it, it was so bad that they voluntarily quit the game and refunded everybody their money without actually putting the stuff in. <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah. So you can't play it if you wanted to. So, you know, when you have those kind of comparisons of uh, there's some pretty big floppers out there that this wasn't too bad. And it's, I don't know, there's certain parts of it and people are just brutal in this day and age. If you don't have a hundred percent perfect game at launch, people are going to eviscerate you for something. Um, again, same, but I thought it was fun to play. I find it fun to play. I like the little hack and slash combos, enjoyable. Uh, the gear change is neat. So I, I, again, I think it's a patch away from being really good. The issue from the, the issue from Watsi isn't that the game wasn't good. The issue is that the game did not make four hundred million dollars. I mean, that's probably fair. Let's let's face it. I mean, if if the game, if everyone on Earth was like, you know what, this is just like, this is a double A game. It's great for what it is, and seven million people bought it. Right? Not even on Game Pass. They just purchased it straight out. And they're playing it on Steam, and they're still playing it right now. And they're buying microtransactions that I don't—I don't actually think are in the game. They're not in the game, yeah. So, which honestly, for the publisher, is just another negative, right? Well, and it, it wasn't a sixty-dollar game. I mean, I—I yeah. feel like I didn't get my money. You know, I mean, there there wasn't like, anything negative. It, the downside is is the expectations that come with everything they did, right? Dungeons yeah. and Dragons—it's got to have something. Right, it's got to be expectations are going to be high. One, two, uh, it's Baldur's Gate three. You took the name Dark Alliance, right? And everybody yeah. loved that game back in the day. No, they're not great games. I mean, they're good games, but in comparison of what our expectations were, they were amazing. And then three, it's a Dritz thing. So you took, you know, they'd be like, yeah, again, Lord of the Rings, Aragon, and you know, turn it into a dog shit golem video game right <laughs> so, yeah. which is on the way hopefully it's good but you know i mean you don't you don't basically grab you know the three holy grails out of D, &D as far as popularity and say and not be flawless i mean you're doomed to fail it could have been a, a different character it could have been a different story it could have been nobody we knew and people would have just like this is an okay story you know so now the oh yeah the problem is that the quality of the game did not matter to Watsy, only the sales. So if they're saying that it's disappointing, it's because they didn't make as much money as they wanted. Right, right. So I want to jump over to the chat real quick because I see we get somebody posting some things. Uh, first off, I asked if anybody has seen the D&D &D nerds anywhere and Lith Legacy said that none, but they are he's Lith Legacy is definitely keeping an eye out and goes on to say we're talking about the computer games. If only there was a highly gamified version of D&D that would be perfect for a video game adaptation cough fourth edition cough cough so i never played fourth edition so i'm just curious uh I, i'd like to elaborate on this comment here uh nolan did you you messed around with fourth edition quite a bit right yeah and, and then it very much is it it was designed they saw that world of warcraft was super popular um and so they they made it a hack and slash combat game so you had at will powers that you could do um, then you had encounter powers that you could do. So instead of saying, I attack twice, I'm playing a ranger, I've got an encounter power, I take twin slash. And so now all of a sudden, all of our ability, instead of you casting firebolt and me saying, I immediately attack twice, they gave everything a name. So, and, and it does translate over to very easily twin slash is it you make two attacks with two weapons at the same time. It deals an extra 2d6 damage and it just translate very systematically into a video game. Um, I, I can't remember. Oh, yeah, Neverwinter the MMO is fourth edition. Um, and it it plugs and plays super easy as far as that stuff goes. A lot, a lot, a lot of traditionalists hate fourth edition because it is, it very much is a combat-oriented encounters, high loot, uh, action, 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 um, designed to go after the MMO World of Warcraft kids or adults now that 
kids 20 years ago. Yeah, they're not kids anymore, pal. (laughs) There's no kids playing that game anymore. And if they are, they're all on Alliance and they're not touching D&D because they can't read yet. So (laughs) That's fair. Uh, so let's go but, on to talk yeah, that, about that is a good point. Uh, some of the, the, the back-end stuff here. Um, so he does say, like I said, uh, Dark Alliance did not meet expectations, theirs or the players. He says they will continue to invest in improving the gameplay and downloadable content. So obviously they're not done with Dark Alliance. They're going to invest more into it. Dark Alliance. They do have a, a patch coming um, as part of like the pre-order. They're giving the first expansion free. They are working on a caster as well. So I'm super curious to see who they come up with a caster that would be a part of the companions of the hall. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if it'll be one of like uh, one of the lycanthropes. Uh, I can't remember their names. Um, or if we'll get like uh, somebody from another. Zach looks like book. he's thinking hard over there. I can't they should remember. do the, uh, the, the dwarf druid. Oh, Eichel and Pike. Yeah, yeah, that would be I mean, fun. there is a lot of heroes they could bring in. There could be your druid. Yeah, you could bring in, was it Catterley? Catterley, yeah. Uh, and, and, and his spouse that was the monk, or even uh, the guy from the Yellow Robes right now who's in the, the current story. So I, I think there's opportunities. I, I Caster is a hard one to, to bring into that game just because there's a lot of good casters that you could, yeah. again, Elementor shows up and you might, again, <laughs> get some people excited about it. Uh, so he says, um, we continue to invest robustly in digital. Wizards is on track for another record year. And while much of that growth was front half loaded, we expect growth in the second half of the year behind the positive third quarter release slate, turning to our consumer pro- or turning to our consumer product business. So, uh, you know, we've looked it ahead. We know what we have coming out for D&D as well as Magic. We know that they're going to be fairly popular books like with Fizzbands. I think every one of us were like, yeah, Fizzbands is going to be a cool book. We know that D&D, or not D&D, but Magic has like the, I don't I don't believe the Commander decks have been released yet for Forgotten Realms. So those are coming. So third quarter is probably going to be fairly good for, for Wizards of the Coast. I do think it's interesting that in, in a time where we had or are facing, I should say, continue to face this global pandemic, you know, we do have this gaming company that has thriving. And I like the fact that, and we talked about this, you know, in previous episodes where Wizards did a really good job of saying, you're stuck inside, here's digital ways to play our games, continue to buy our games because now you're stuck inside, you can't go anywhere, you can't do anything, you might as well play a goddamn game. Well, and they did a really good job of giving a lot of stuff free. And just to kind of, again, it's... D&D is, it's really hard not to like playing it. I mean, it really is. You, you, it's, it's really hard not to get addicted. So giving a little bit of crack for free so you get addicted to it. It seems like a good business model. Sure. And I, and I think we're going to see, I, I, I don't think we're going to see a downturn in D&D anytime soon. It's definitely continuing to be popular. I think we're critical role recently announced that the cartoons are going to be hosted on Amazon. If I remember correctly. So we're going to see those rolling out soon, which is just going to keep the interest for Dungeons and Dragons and role-playing games in general high. And, I, and I'm okay with that. I think that's a great thing. Just remember, not every role-playing game or not every D&D session is critical role. It's just not going to happen. Unless you're playing with a, gro- a whole group of voice actors, then fuck off. That's amazing. Well, I think you know, critical role doesn't seem to be slowing down. They seem to be doing their own thing. They have a spinoff going right now, right? Yeah, with the new DM, um, she's fantastic. Matt's getting to play. He is fantastic. I mean, he is every, you know, it, it's been very good. And I th- I think I think the animated series is going to do a lot of good as well of bringing in s- some fresh blood as far as, you know, that next generation. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like you said, you don't see it ending. They're doing a good job of bringing in some different things. We're starting to tease the Feywild. I could see the Wild beyond the Witchlight being kind of the first teaser into maybe open up a little, a little more uh, realm travel. We did it with Avernus. Now we're going to do it with the Feywild. Uh, Fizzbands with the dragons. I mean, they're going to keep baiting that uh, Dragonlance yes, uh, as long as they can. And then the, I don't know what they're going to do for uh, magic now. Uh, Strixhaven seems to be kind of new to both worlds. And so that'll be interesting to see how the, the Hogwarts of D&D and magic kind of come together and see if they can pull some of that crowd. So, it, it, yeah, I, I haven't, I don't see it slowing down. It's making a ton of money. And again, like you said, the digital side of things, D&D Beyond, as long as they keep doing what they're doing and improving their system, they're not going to go anywhere because uh, that that is something that is somebody that hasn't 
just rested on being okay. I mean, I feel like they're getting better every time we turn around too. I, I so. want to circle. I want to touch on that D and D Beyond in just a second. I do want to mention Lith Legacy. <laughs> I love this comment uh, regarding your comment about uh, Watsy and crack. He says he thinks uh, Watsy would refer to themselves as cocaine of the market, not crack. I, I think they're too classy for crack, is what it is. That's probably true. that's probably true. And let's uh, let's face it. Uh, yeah. Anyway, we're going to jump off the drug train here. <laughs> Speaking of D&D &D Beyond, because I do think quite a bit about D&D &D Beyond, like I know I have been considering purchasing uh, the Fizzband book via D&D &D Beyond instead of buying the physical book. And I have I, and the more I think about it, the more I'm kind of pumping the brakes. Nolan, I know you've been all in on buying the books through D&D &D Beyond. Here's here's my issue. And I know you can download the books. I have tried multiple times to download the books but I've never successfully done it. Like, and I'm talking about the books that I personally have purchased. I've never been able to successfully do it. Whereas like an Onyx Path type situation where you can actually get the, the PDF. I know it's not a tangible product. You can't actually hold it, but I've had more success downloading those PDFs and actually flipping through those like a normal, like a regular book. I understand that D&D &D Beyond isn't a normal book, right? I use it often, like mm -hmm. when we were playing Ram and the Frost Maiden, there was many times where I didn't want to mess with the book. I would bring up D&D Beyond and I would read through it. You're still getting the same content. It's laid out a little bit differently, but you're still getting the same content. I, st I go right back to, and this is why I struggled with uh, Magic the Gathering Online. It's why I struggle with Arena. I hate investing a lot of money into something where if the platform closes, I can't walk away with something. And and Nolan, I, you've probably done a little bit more digging into this than I have. Um, have you successfully downloaded any of the books from D&D Beyond? Uh, I have a couple just for when I don't have internet connection. But yeah, I can definitely understand what you're saying. It, you are limited by having access to the internet sometimes um, or your ability to download it. I do know that I can look over and see an instant entire shelf and a half of 3.5 that never gets moved um and then i've got and you dread every every hardback dritz novel as a collector's edition um sitting in a pile on my floor because i don't have anywhere to put it versus like the kindle and so yeah I, I, if it goes away it's really going to suck but right now i I use it more. I have the Scarlands book and I still use the PDF that we've got from it. So much easier. Just, I don't well, know. And I like having the ability to have the physical book and the PDF because there's been plenty of times where I'm like, here, you guys take the book. I have my iPad. I have it up on mm -hmm. the, on the iPad. So I have it here. You guys have the physical copy. I like having that ability. And we've done that with D and D beyond where we've jumped into like on my iPad, I'll go into it. I'll check spells, things like that, you know, reference rules while the player's handbook or, or whatever is sitting on, on the table for anybody to reference so we've we've used them that way my my biggest fear is is that that whole okay well we're shutting down the platform and sorry mm -hmm. you purchase these books I, unless unless there's something where if they do well and i know there's not well i believe there's not because like with mtgo like you buy that black lotus they're not going to ship you a black lotus right if they shut down the platform no. they shut down the platform and all the money that you've invested into it is just gone and i suppose you have to look at you know the the overall return on investment like if you put in the money and you played for hours and hours and you got hours of enjoyment out of it ultimately is that your return on investment and are you okay with not having a tangible product i suppose that's how you have to think about it i suppose it's the same with buying games or uh investing in mobile games and spending all that money to play candy crush for a gazillion million hours right uh, it's the only way that i can wrap my head around it and it, perhaps this is where um i'm showing my age where i am you know 46 years old and i like, whereas Zach, you're what, 27, 28 now, maybe 30. I, I never remember. Wish. I never remember how old you're. You're like 21 in my head forever. <laughs> so, eh. You're the baby of the group. So I lived like I was 21 for a long time. Uh, you still do. So <laughs> it's different for you. Like you grew up with that, right? You grew up with that, that purchasing those, making those in-game purchases, buying those things. Uh, it's a little bit different for you. And, and Nolan, you're kind of in that in-between where, you're a little bit more willing to do it than I am. So I just, I sometimes struggle with the digital side of things. And and I know that's completely off topic, but I, I don't know. You mentioned D&D &D Beyond and it made me think of that. So anyway, 
Sorry guys, diatribe there. <laughs> so that is all I saw when it comes to Dungeons and Dragons. I know that's a little bit more technical side of stuff and it's not like anything exciting with new products, but that is what's going on. So I thought we could jump over to Onyx Path real quick, unless you guys have something else we need to add to D&D. All right. Nothing in newswise, yeah. Over at Onyx Path, the Squeaks in the Deep Kickstarter is doing, it's doing well. I mean, I don't think Pugmire is, it's not one of their bigger titles, so it doesn't carry the weight of, of like some of their Chronicles or World of Darkness stuff. They're currently sitting at $37,014 of like the, I think it was a $10,000 ask. There's 11 days left, and usually those last couple days they see a ramp up. Onyx Path did announce their next Kickstarter. It's going to be Apocalyptic Record for Werewolf the Apocalypse 20th Anniversary Edition. I'm kind of excited about not not buying the book in per, uh, per se. I'm excited that Onyx Path is not going away from World of Darkness and showing that Paradox is still allowing them to produce stuff and allowing them to move forward. And I know some of this is going to be, you know, stuff that they had on Slate beforehand that, you know, before the switch to Renegade Studios, and that's why they're allowing them to move forward. But it's good to see that they're still going to be producing these books and creating World of Darkness um, products because they do a really good job with the World of Darkness, especially the 20th Anniversary Edition stuff. By the way, if you ever need a doorstop, buy one of the 20th Anniversary Edition core rule books, I promise you, or if you need a weapon to hurt somebody. They are massive. That is all I saw for Onyx Path. Let's jump down to Cubicle 7. Uh, I know we don't talk about them a whole lot. Uh, Cubicle 7 uh, RPG publisher has announced the opening of for pre-orders of their new Doctor Who RPG 2nd Edition book. This book is scheduled to ship quarter 1 of 2022 and has a price tag of $49.99. According to the Cubicle 7 website, this core rulebook includes uh, complete character creation rules to allow you to bring to life a new time-traveling adventure to explore space and time aboard the TARDIS. Uh, they could be companions to the Doctor or a new Time Lord of your own creation, Time Agents, or Investigators and Defenders of Planet Earth. The complete revised rules for playing Doctor Who, the role-playing game, the new and updated versions of the popular Vortex system is completely compatible with the first edition of the game. Second edition of the game, uh, a second edition makes gameplay faster, easier, and quicker to learn, while keeping all the dramatic action you'd expect from an episode of Doctor Who. Advice from game or four game masters new and old on how to make the experience of Doctor Who the role-playing game feel like you're living an episode of the TV series, as well as how to create exciting storylines and continuing campaigns. Revised rules for creating your group's own TARDIS or other time travel device to allow them to adventure from the dawn of history to the very legends or very ends of the universe. An expansive look at the history of the universe, detailing many of the aliens and creatures the Doctor has encountered across space and time, pre-generated character sheets for the Doctor and her companions, ready to play straight away. All right, guys, thoughts on this one? I have a complex relationship with Doctor Who these uh, days. I'm sure, go ahead. I've pretty much, I've pretty much left it behind. I, I don't know. I, I wonder now that. I don't know how to say this without sounding just snide and mean. Now that Supernatural and Sherlock have stopped airing, Tumblr only has Doctor Who left, and I'm not sure if Tumblr is a large enough audience to sell an RPG to, besides, you know, England. Well, I mean, it is the second edition of the game, so it's been around for a little bit. I know. I just... Didn't know I got the first edition. I well, that's, that's I fair. get that there's going to be these, but it's, it kind of sounds like the Marvel one to me. That's like I think that's I support fair. the creation of this. Well, I it's funny because it's before I read the news this morning and saw that that, that was being announced. I told my wife last night I, I need to go back because I think I stopped watching like after the second season with David Tennant. I just stopped watching. It wasn't because I disliked Doctor Who. I just had too many other things going on and watching the watching doctor who is an investment you know there's several seasons you have to sit down you have to really grind it out i can think of there's a couple of times where we've had friends over zach you were one of them where we watched like uh i think it was uh, when peter capaldi became the doctor you know things like that i yeah, i think it's a great one. series i really do and and i was telling sheree i'm like you know i'm i'm going to go back and start watching doctor who it just Watch every iteration of, well, since Christopher Eccleston moving forward, watching every iteration of the Doctor and just kind of immersing myself in that universe because I think it is absolutely fascinating and wonderful. So will I play a role-playing game based on Doctor Who? 
I don't know, if I didn't have anything else to do and somebody had a pre-generated character, they said, hey, Patrick, come sit down and play. Oh, sure. Why not? I'll give it a try. Will I buy the book? Probably not. But yeah, okay. looks like they're getting a new doctor, too, right? Because the new lady isn't coming back. I think I saw that news that she's done. Oh, so really? Did she decide not to come back? Oh. I heard. So I don't know. The news, coming out, the news coming out was uh, of that is that she was very unhappy with what was going on. Really? She's a fantastic her. actress. Yeah. I haven't watched any of the new stuff, but she was, she's really good. Right. And she was in um, Broadchurch. Did you ever watch that show? Oh, yeah, my gosh. Season one. And, well, I think there's only two seasons of it, isn't there, Zach? There's, th uh, there's a third one. Is there now. a third one? Fantastic. I mean, just an absolute wonderful drama. Um, David Tennant's in it. I mean, basically, if you want to know a cast of Doctor Who, go watch Broadchurch. <laughs> Because I think the BBC just keeps also, using the same actors and actresses. Also, there's actually two broad churches. Yep, there's an English for Fox or, tried to yep. make Fox tried to remake it, and they were like, "Who are we going to get to do this?" And David Tennant was just like, "I'll just do it again." Yeah, I knew so that. He's in I knew that. <laughs> I haven't watched the American version. I've just watched the, the BBC version, and, and a fantastic show. Highly, highly recommended. I just appreciate David Tennant being like, "You want me to just to." do an American accent this time. I'd love to get paid twice for the same thing. Right. <laughs> Has you, have you watched the American version? Is it any good? No, yeah, I haven't either. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I did see, anyway. uh, we talked about this just a little bit before we got going with the show. I did see Modifius has announced the pre-order of their game, Homeworld Revelations. This is not a game I'm familiar with. Zach apparently is. So we're going to throw it to him in just a second. So I'm just going to read what, what, what I pulled from the website this morning. It says Homeworld Revelations will give fans of the original Homeworld game the exciting opportunity to view the universe from a new perspective. Taking on the role of the crew aboard one of the Cushion, is that correct? Zach Cushion? Okay, mm -hmm. fleet ships. Whether it's joining the mothership on its odyssey or reestablishing the Hygarian homeworld, there will be endless adventure. Zach, what the hell is homeworld? Okay. I don't know where to start. Uh, lore wise, homeworld is a game that takes place. It follows the Cushion people who live on a desert planet. And they look around, and eventually they realize that there's no way in hell that they came from this planet. There's literally no life besides humans. So they had to come from somewhere else. There's a technological revolution. They get space flight. And then finally they discover how to, how to travel between stars. Hyperspace. And literally the day that they create a ship capable of traveling through hyperspace, a galactic empire comes down and destroys the planet. Because that was their prison <laughs> and they were that was their prison and they were not supposed to leave. But living on a desert planet is so hard that the people forgot they were supposed to stay there. So there's one ship, the mothership, and they've got basically one option. They can just give up and die or they can go find these people that just destroyed their home planet. And take it over. And that's homeworld. That's the lore. And I'm now I'm going to I'm this is might be a little hyperbolic, but it's probably the best real time strategy game ever made. OK, there, that's that's and a pretty big statement. I know, but when other when other real time strategy games were operating on a 2D plane of some orcs and some humans and they operate exactly the same. Homeworld is an entirely three-dimensional space dealing with gravity wells and planets and different ship types. Like, it was too much for 11-year-old Zach to play. Like, I fundamentally could not handle it. Um, there is a remaster that came out in 2015. Honestly, I think it's like 40 bucks. If you don't like real-time strategy games, you're really not going to like this game. And so I thought it was really strange when I, I read and I was like, a homeworld RPG? I was like, no, it's not. But it is. I saw the cover art and I got excited that maybe it was Ashley from uh, Mass Effect. And I was That's like, kind of what it looked like, right? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. 
tabletop um, role-playing odyssey i mean i don't know when you start throwing odyssey into it it sounds like you're setting yourself up with some pretty high standards right on honestly here's here's what i think is happening modifius has been like putting their getting their feet wet with a lot of stuff but finally i think the first game that they used it with was conan maybe they've created this thing they call the 2d20 system you take whatever i think it works kind of like the storyteller system you take an attribute you add a skill to it and then you roll 2d20 if you roll under their combined number that's a success right so sometimes you need one success sometimes you need two i think you can use stuff to like roll some additional d20s but what i think has happened is that modifius has said okay this is simple enough we didn't exactly steal it from monty cook even if it's very close we can use this for anything. And so they are buying up properties to create as much as they can because now they don't need to spend time in R&D. The Dishonored system uses it. Star Trek uses it. Conan uses it. Fallout is going to use it. Cthulhu uses, uses it. Octon Cthulhu uses it. And now Homeworld is going to use it. And none of those are similar in any way. Right. But doesn't it make well, I think s- that oh, sorry, go ahead, Nolan. You, you can kind of just this is something that probably could be a TV series soon, right? This has got the Battlestar Galactica thing. Like, guess what? Is, We're accidentally literal- doing a Dune movie. Guess what? We it, already own it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, how much are they going to sell just off of that movie? You know, so you buy uh, these things that are due for a re-release. Like you're like you're you're buying a lot of tickets at this point. Like, mm-hmm. let's see what happens. This is obscure enough that it could be a good tv series i mean this this could be a good thing we pull in the mass effect people we don't have to pay for mass effect people uh it's got a little battlestar galactica type feel on the ship you know we could do the drama like you guys go make the movie we own this because now we got conan uh we got dune fallout i mean john carter of mars like yeah it's pretty smart homeworld is literally battlestar galactica but from the planet dune like (laughs) Did you guys ever play Wing Commander? I have. No one's like, I have no idea what you're even talking about. I can Google. Wing Commander, it, it was one of the... Uh, it was for Nintendo and Super Nintendo. I loved Wing Commander. Like, this was one of my favorite space sci-fi games, right? And and every time I think of, like, Battlestar Galactica, or in this case, Homeworld, I can't help but think of Wing Commander. So if they do that, then I'm in. No, wait, Lit Legacy said, did you ever watch Wing Commander? There was a Wing Commander show? I did not know this. I, I think there's a, I think there's both a and film. a movie. What? How did I miss yeah. this? It's got Freddie Prince Jr. and... Oh, uh, I bet it's terrible, isn't it? Sh- uh, Beatles and Grimm, dude. Yeah. Beatles and... Matthew uh, Lillard? Who's his Matthew name? Lillard, yeah. Matthew, yeah, Matthew Lillard and... Uh, Freddie Prince Jr. Oh, maybe I do remember uh, this. I watched it like ten times. Oh, really? I made my mom watch that movie was so many times when I was a kid. <laughs> no, even as a kid, I was like, "This movie's bad." But I, I love that thing. Oh no! Now I'm gonna have to watch this terrible movie. <laughs> it's bad. I might have to go Perfect. watch this. I love the game. I didn't realize it. I, th- you know. Maybe I, especially once you guys mentioned Matthew Lillard, maybe I did remember that there was a movie just in the dark recesses. Oh. That's so good. <laughs> like as he says, it was as good a movie as Hackers is an authentic portrayal of black, of black hats. <laughs> uh, that's fair. That's fair. I, I grok that. That's a good, it's very Hackers-esque in that it is a movie. Well, and Matthew Lillard was in it. Was bad. <laughs> it was a movie. Oh no. Oh man. Well, guys, that yeah. is that is all the news I found for this week. Uh, I could there was it's just kind of a quiet week, not a whole lot of releases coming out. Didn't really have a topic for the week. I know there was some I, I did see something about oh 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 wait, hold on. I was gonna say something about okay. World of Warcraft and Blizzard. Apparently there was some big deal there. Uh it's it is what it is. There's some some major if you're a scumbaggy, stereotypical male uh during, you know, 
all the stereotypes of what they do to horrible to to women in their work environment pretty much is coming out that, oh, that's actually what was happening um so yeah that's that's a lot of really bad things um and so the basically the the, the short story of it is um the uh, state of california did a two-year probe into blizzard um, or Activision Blizzard um, to see this hostile work environment and came up with a bunch of stuff that was very true going f as far as like getting drunk and uh, the males doing pub crawls and sexually harassing the females to the uh, HR team and the higher ups having a Cosby suite oh, at geez. BlizzCon. And whether the, the story behind that is, is like whenever you stay at a, a hotel, the f carpets on it were so bad like a cosby sweater is how it started but because the timeline necessarily doesn't come out with all the allegations but at the same time you don't know if that's true or not and so yeah just basically a lot of the males not doing anything and sloughing their work off to the females so basically everything that says you know it it sucks to be a girl in the gaming industry kind of solidified by the higher highest and biggest company being a part of the problem as well so we'll see what happens with the allegations you there. know i i I get so frustrated because I just don't understand why we can't be decent fucking human beings. Why can't we just treat each other with yeah. respect and with kindness? I'm so tired of hearing about toxic men, especially white men. I'm, I'm fucking sick. And, stop being fucking assholes. Seriously. Just yeah. stop. That is the moral of the story. St fucking be nice to people. Treat people with respect. Stop. Oh, anyway. I'll go on forever. Same. So you're seeing you're seeing a mass exodus, or not mass exodus. Well, a lot of people um, are quitting Blizzard, and and a lot of people feel really awkward about what you should and shouldn't do, right? If I quit playing and and Blizzard goes under, all those people that worked really hard to get to that position no longer have a place to go and work. But are they also the people that are getting money at the end of the day? So the the grand hope is that this could be. Hopefully, an example is made of the people that are doing wrong. Uh, hopefully, it's a positive work environment going forward. Because Blizzard used to be really good as far as making games, and then it kind of just turned into re-releasing the same shit over and over to make a profit. And if you are going to work trying to create a game, and every day you can't focus on creating an amazing game and worried about when your boss is going to come up and rub your back, I can understand that you're probably not putting out your best work. Uh, so it adds up. Hopefully, this is a turning point for the industry as well. Like, you know, if the biggest can be made example of, hopefully, it's a wake-up call to everybody that this isn't a good old boys club. This isn't a frat house. This is everybody working, trying to do something that they love and don't try and ruin that kind of stuff. So um, that wasn't what I wanted to talk about. I was going to say as um, I was curious as the uh, transition out of something a little heavier to uh, we we just coming off the tail end of Changeling. Um, we got to talk with the amazing people walking away from Arcadia. Do or was opinions changed as far as is there excitement to play Changeling? Uh, is it more than you thought it was, Zach, or is it still Rent uh, and Tabletop? No, it no, it is still more so. Rent. Rent. It is more so. It is Rent the Tabletop RPG, and that was never. I never meant that as a, no, a dig. I I I honestly believe that's kind of what it was. We uh, I was worried that it was going to be vampire. <laughs> I was worried it was going to be vampire, but even more bisexual. But my mind was changed. My perspective on it did shift. It felt a lot less survival horror. Vampires is survival horror politics. I think changeling is more like just existential dread. It kind of felt like it was great to talk to those guys. They really did change my mind on the system. I would play changeling. I'm I'm still up in the air on what a campaign looks like, just mm -hmm. from that standpoint of like, I, I can see making a character. I can see being it. I just don't know what I do every day. And I think that's kind of my, my opening still to it. Um, I did talk with, uh, you know, random, random wow stuff. I happen to, we found a guild that uh, we can run stuff with. We've actually kind of poached their healer for Mythic Plus. And she is very much a three nights a week playing some sort of tabletop game. And when I was asked, I was like, well, did you ever play Changing or whatever? She goes, no, it's way too depressing. And that was just the instantaneous of like, I'm not touching that. Uh, she plays Numera. Uh, she's uh, plays D&D. Mm -hmm. She's played through all the 5e stuff. 
Um, but yeah, she was just like, I won't touch it. It's too sad. Like I'm just not. And I was like, I, I, I guess I never going into it. I didn't realize the sadness involved. And then I don't know, same thing. I would play it and mostly just to when it's time to play a warlock, have a better understanding how to role play that, you know, that, that kind of seems like what it is, is you've got that, mm-hmm. that overbearing shadow just always sitting there perched reminding you of how fucked you are <laughs> and so and I, and I think simon and victor did a really good job and nolan you even called it out when you talked about when we first you know gave our first exam or thoughts on it that, that 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 it was an incredibly sad game you know they talk about like the horror being like having to do something to survive yet utterly destroying somebody else's life while you're doing it in, in, and just, you know, thinking about the consequences, you know, moral, phys- metaphysical, ex- existential, whatever you want to throw at it. And, and, and realizing that where you thought you were a good person and you're not, because this thing that you're doing is really horrific and you have no choice but to do it. You have to do it to survive, right? And I think... You are a leech. Yeah. yeah. And, and, like, and I think it's it's fascinating. And, and I don't know if either of you had a chance to read any of the short stories of the book that I sent you, and I may have forgotten to send you. I can't remember. You read through those short stories, and you really do see... I mean, it's funny because you, you look at Changeling, you look at the book, and it's this brightly colored, beautifully laid out uh, tome of a game, right? Because it because it, it is. It's just... You look at the art, it's very, I, I don't want to say whimsical, but it's definitely light. It's light compared to the rest of the world of darkness, right? And then you really get mm-hmm. into it and you're like, holy shit, this game is kind of brutal. And, and and I think when it comes to depressing, and I really don't have a whole lot to back it up, but I do think Wraith is, is more so. It comes across as the, the eternal sunshine of the spotless mind, right? Like all the music is happy, all the colors are happy. It's got leprechauns, you know. Like you're like, okay, this is this is a fairy tale type situation, um, and then it's just not. And I think of my takeaways of it again, using it for other editions would be really good. I am very adamant of trying to work them into being bad guys in a campaign at some point like there's just the little things of like you know needing true sight to see what they really are is kind of a scary thing as a bad guy and 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 the 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 trickster mentality and and that muse of just you know i can i can see the muse uh building up the player right or whatever and being the wizard with true sight just looking through and seeing like just seeing the energy being absorbed into this thing that's just building this thing up building this thing up building this thing up to have it be in the grandest moment playing in front of the king to snap its, you know, guitar strings and just watch that, that just crumble and have that moment just be just taken away. So you can just feed off of it. Like it was just so messed up that I've, I really enjoyed it to be a bad person. Like I, I could see that being just great bad guys. Um, I don't know. It was good. And it was great talking to those guys. So that was, that was my big takeaway too. Yeah. Just, there's more to it than I thought. Um, it, it feels like in Changeling, you're supposed to play a character who is an addict around recovering addicts who gets them re-addicted. Yeah, like, that's that's just, just fucked like, up enough, yeah. Just ruining people's lives, not because... It's not your nature. Not thinking about it. Just, it's like, yeah. It's like... And, it's rough. Yeah, it's, it seems really hard to have to do. I think anyone who is a recovering addict would talk about how you have to cut those people out of your lives who will get you re-addicted because otherwise they go back. Right? right. You can't you can't go to a crack house after you are a recovering addict and be like, yeah, no, guys, I'm good. Just water for me today. Thank yeah, you. It doesn't work that way. That's not how it works. Like I don't, I can't think of a tabletop RPG where that's the gameplay loop. I would, I would love to, with a very select group of friends, sit down and play a changeling game over two to three sessions, and that's it. Just to like kind of dip your toe into it to see if it's even worth like exploring more. 
Um, I have the core rulebook. I have the player's handbook. So we could absolutely do it. And I'm not opposed to picking up like a storyteller vault type adventure to run. I would absolutely be interested in doing it, like I said, two or three session, a two or three session game, nothing long term, just to kind of see what people think and, and give you an idea of how it works. Because I do think sometimes when we play it, we see it from a completely different angle. However, that being said, I think we can all agree. And if you read, like I said, if you read any of the short stories that I sent you, it is a sad game. And at the end of the day, the things that happen, you, you're just like, wow, that's that sucks. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's probably not fun to play a game that's going to make you feel like everything sucks. But I will tell you that, and I've said this to you guys before, one of the most one the one game that I played that was the most fun, just spur of the moment kind of thing was a changeling game. We had an absolute blast playing and maybe the, the storyteller did a good job playing around the sadness and not focusing on it and letting us just explore what changelings can or can't be. I don't know, but I had so much fun and we played for, I don't know, five or six hours and it was just a, a laugh fest. Everybody, we, my stomach hurt the next day from laughing so much because we just had so much fun. So I don't know. Well, I think the guys did a good job of saying that they're definitely three ways to kind of play the game and so and i think that is for everything i think uh when we play vampire we probably laugh more than we do when we do in D D. and and i think having sure. those outlets of energy uh during heavy situations i think is interesting too so so i did want to kind of bring that up first as a closure to uh changeling i know we are doing some cycling around in D D. patrick you're going to get to play a character and we are going to check out some of the new uh, von richten style things which again kind of goes in that there um is there been anything additional going into actually making a character or is it just nice to take a break from dm and, and just play uh it has been nice to take a break of course we haven't played yet we're playing next weekend but it's been nice to sit back and just not number one not have to worry about trying to make sure i prepared or do any reading or anything like that um it's been allowing me to focus on other things that i frankly haven't been focusing on that being said, I wanted to mention to both of you, we, and, I've, and I mentioned this several, probably a couple months ago, uh, you both know I'm a member of the Civic Theater Guild board. We have officially pinned, I think it's the first Saturday in November as the D&D live event. So we are going wow. to be, yeah, we're going to be running a D&D game. I'll be DMing it. Of course, I'm hoping you both show up. Uh, I'll be DMing it. We're going to have probably all new players playing so it'll be a very you know introductory type thing i'll probably end up just pulling an adventure league more than likely a miss walker because i did say i want it to be a horror related or i'll play the first adventure in, in curse of strahd so it's a beginning level adventure for people and let them know that if they want the adventure this is where they can go purchase it so i'm really i'm very excited about that i'm very excited to do DD in such a way that it's going to be more interactive where we do have the audience you know, like making suggestions like uh, do they go left or right? And by popular vote, they're going to you know choose which way they go. So it is going to be kind of left at the hands of the audience. And like they, if they horribly fail something or they'll have the option of forcing them a reroll, you know, things like that, I think is going to be a lot of fun. It will add a new audience to the CTG, to the carriage uh, house theater, which will be fantastic. Uh, hopefully generate some interest there as well as like some of the, like we have a, a lady on the board who's much older and she's like, I'm kind of excited to come and watch this. So yeah. who knows? It could be something That's very cool. Yeah. I, I'm really excited about it. So I will keep you all informed. Calendar. November 1st. Cool. Huh? I believe so. Yeah. So that is coming. Okay. Well, guys, very nice. I don't have anything else. Nolan, that's a great way to wrap up the week is, you know, to finish up Changeling. I think that's a was a great idea. Thank you for doing that. Absolutely. So I but I don't have anything else. Do you guys have anything else you want to bring up before we sign out? I'm going to say as somebody who has recently gone down the Eberron rabbit hole, I did not give that place a fair chance. And part of me going down the Eberron rabbit hole is also going down the Tolis rabbit hole. And holy cow, like that is going to be a different experience. Just from a standpoint of one of the biggest things that I was told to remind as, as playing an Atollis game is you go down in the dungeon, you get your ass kicked. You just 
go upstairs to the city and there's a cleric house that deals with adventures like oh you got your butt kicked two gold you're restored like get back to it kids have fun have fun storming the castle type shit like it really is that like just having it be that situation of you know if your player wants it there's a price tag for it and they can get it um it is a high magic thing screw that noise of hey guess what it's a plus one pull arm and all you guys use axes like nah you know like go give you so i'm that's been a lot of fun. Eberron plays similar to the uh, Full Metal Alchemist style situation uh, where it's like they never gave up on magic. So it is very much Dumbledore rolling around lighting the, the things at night, you know, or whatever, and then blending that in with the war situation. The technology in it is cool. The world is neat. Um, what it is. And just for a for a thing that I didn't realize, and in the world of Eberron, uh, it, the world was created by three dragons. And as the world was created, one of the dragons decided that he was going to keep it for himself now that he used everybody and slayed the other dragon that was a part of it. And when it turned its attention to Eberron, the third dragon, they had a cosmic uh, uh, epic battle, um, realizing that this guy was a son of a bitch or whatever eberron banishes it to the underworld and has rested himself as jailer and that's what eberron is is it is a prison for the dragon that slew the other dragon when all three of them made the world and so one runs the underworld the other one has the overworld there aren't gods in in that sake as much as there are dragons that kind of give powers and rule of the area um in secret and after that, people are just left up to their own devices to make the world as bad as possible um, or as good as possible. There's a lot of war, a lot of technology. So again, as we've as we've looked at some of these games and stuff like that, if I don't know, Eberron has been a lot of fun and it changed my mind a little bit at the standpoint of I'm excited for Strixhaven. Um, I haven't done a good job of giving the, the magic stuff and the other books a lot of credit, um, but it is a it's it's a good story so if you get a chance sit down and read some eberron stuff the history is there the lore is there i had a hard time getting past the war forges and then understanding why they were made to actually win the war um and now the war is done and what do you do with all these things you know it's it could be fun to play so anyway that's been my rabbit hole as we get ready for a new dnd story uh my character is from eberron and thanks for having the mists that you can just travel through and wake up in a horrible place godspeed perfect Best of luck. That's awesome. Well, then that is going to be our show for this week. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us and listening in. No idea what we'll be talking about next week. Maybe Eberron. Who knows? <laughs> so tune in next week as we will figure out something to talk about. Thanks, everybody. We enjoy having you, and we hope that you continue to listen. Thanks, everybody. Good night, everyone.